Listen to podcasts of Joe Walsh and Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, so we talked to Gary Chico at seven at 6.35. And we got uh, Chicago Party Ant coming at 8.35. And you like Chicago Party Ant. Like the Twitter account. I can't wait to find out if it's a he or a she. Is it a he? No, it's an ant. An A-U-N-T. It's got to be a woman, right? These are strange times. And uh, (laughs) that's a perfect segue to our next guest, Paul Vallis. Former, not a comment on Paul Vallis, a comment on where I'm going with Paul Vallis, uh, which I will get to in a second. But Paul Vallis, of course, former CEO of CPS, a candidate for mayor on February 26th, and I'm sure he hopes beyond into April. Paul, thanks for joining us, and appreciate it. Thanks for having me again. How's my reception, okay? Yeah, it's good. So let me, this is a question I could probably only put to you of the candidates for mayor, so let me let me try this. There's a Roman historian uh, named Livy that I'm sure you're familiar with as a man of letters. About uh, 2,000 years ago, right before the fall of the Roman Republic, Livy observed that they had gotten to a place in Roman society where they could endure neither their vices nor their cures, the cures to their vices. And as I'm watching this mayoral race play out, much like I watched the gubernatorial race play out last year, I hear gambling, drugs, and big government. And you look at a heat map of Illinois and you see the little video poker experiment. You can't uh, go arm's length from your current position and not hit a video poker machine in this state anymore. And now because of our choices, uh, the play is to make Chicago Vegas Midwest and to make Chicago Rocky Mountain High Midwest. And that's the extent of the solutions I'm generally hearing. Are we at a place in Chicago? Because I think we are. So you be a ray of sunshine for us. Are we at a place in Chicago and Illinois and, frankly, America, but let's focus on Chicago, where we can endure neither our vices, what we've done, nor their cures? Uh, well, first of all, it's a good uh it's a good quotation, and I am familiar with that quotation. And I think not every state is at that place, but certainly Illinois is probably as close as any state because when you have to fall back on things like cannabis and casino gambling and gaming and sports betting as an alternative to you know getting the control on spending or dealing with the things you have to deal with on the expenditure side, uh, yeah, I mean, you're at the point where we're – I'm, we're we're desperate. We're, we're we're still, even despite our dire straits, still looking for the easy way out. And look, you know, I've um, I've talked about, uh, um, you know, I support casino gambling in Chicago. I'd like to see it put in McCormick Place, and and they're going to legalize cannabis whether we like it or not. But I've said that if we're going to look at to casino gambling, if we're going to look at gaming or sports betting as a way to solve our fiscal problems or as a way to fund our pensions or whatever, uh, it's simply not going to work. We all remember the lottery was going to be the yeah. salvation for education. And, you know, and, and, you know, that was only day one. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, what is so what is your solution? I know you had talked about and floated an idea to raise our property taxes just slightly. No, what I've talked about, if you look at what I've laid out, and it's online, and I, it's actually in a presentation before the city club, uh, I've said that uh, we need to do three things. Uh, and look, we've talked about a constitutional amendment to uh, the so-called grand compromise to solve the, the problem of the, uh, you know, of the unfunded pension system. And let's face mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, there was an intentional underfunding of all the pension systems. And it happened in the 2005 legislation and the 2010 legislation when they, when Daly actually went to uh, Springfield and got them to waive his, uh, give him a pension holiday for all the systems. So it was deliberately underfunded and it only aggravates the problem. But Pritzker has already said publicly that he's going to oppose uh, – uh, he's going to oppose a constitutional amendment, not that one could have ever gotten passed, to change the Constitution so that you could change the benefits. So essentially, Amy, what I've said is three things. The first thing is if there's going to be an increase in the income tax, uh, as, as, uh, as the governor said there is, uh, what we need to do is we need to make sure that this time when they increase the income tax – they do not violate the local government distributed fund general revenue sharing rule that says local governments get a share of that. They don't change that. They don't modify the formula. Uh, and they end the diversion of monies from local governments through the corporate personal property replacement tax, which is money that was earmarked constitutionally to local governments. If they did those two things, and maybe not immediately, but over the next over the next five years, they they. Uh, treated the Chicago Teachers Retirement System as equitably as they've uh, treated the Downstate Teachers Retirement System, then, then the, the the pension obligations that the city is facing could be could be cut in half, and and I believe that the balance of that could be managed by controlling city spending, and I've articulated in the plan I've laid out how that would be done. Now, what I said regarding property taxes, Amy, was Mm -hmm. that I felt that a five-year balanced budget plan that addresses the pension issues and that that makes the type of spending cuts, and I I identified 12 areas of expenditure reduction. Uh, I've said that if you did those two things, if we were able to uh, get the fair share agenda in Springfield, no excuses now. You've got Democratic control, House and Senate, veto-proof. You've got Pritzker as governor. And if we were able to get the spending cuts that I've identified, then we, we could actually cap our property taxes. So we would never have to increase property taxes above the rate of inflation or 5%, whichever is less, which means instead of getting 10, 15, 20% increases every year, you might get a 1% to 2% increase every year. So this is the approach that I used when I converted a $1.4 billion five-year structural deficit in the Chicago Public Schools to a billion dollars in cash balances in six consecutive balanced budgets. So I believe that that's the approach that Wait we can a, take to get the city out of this mess. Wait a second. I just saw Gary Chico, television commercial, and he said he's the one who created the surplus in CPS. Yeah. Who did? Who created the well, surplus? Well, you know, Gary was on the board. You know, Gary spent a lot of time. Gary was on the board. The board met once a month. So, you know, uh, you know, it, it, Gary can run as many commercials as he would like to run. I mean, I ran the district on a day-to-day basis. I then went to Philadelphia and did the same thing. I'm sure Gary wasn't there when I rebuilt the, the entire school system. And incidentally, uh, it is a 100% school choice system in New Orleans. Yeah, Every single school right. is a school of choice. And you know, I'm still getting 
my butt kicked for it on the blogs by people who say, oh, he privatized the system. No, there's not a child in a failing school in New Orleans. There's not a child in the school that has completely been renovated or is brand new. So at the end of the day, I'm, Gary wasn't there. Gary, was, Gary abstained from voting on board contracts 500 times. Wow. That was, that's greater than Burke at the end of the day. So he learned from Burke. He learned from the finance committee. So Gary spent more time hustling contractors for a business after they got work with the Chicago Public Schools as he spent time focusing on Chicago Public School issues. Now, I, I want to get to the Burke thing in a second, but since you're in the Philadelphia school system, I mean, uh, let's just make sure we don't have an enemy inside the perimeter here. Paul <laughs> Vallis, who were you rooting for on Sunday? Oh, <laughs> listen, once a Bear fan, always a Bear fan. All right, all right. People, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just no, checking. Hey, hey. <laughs> so I'm not suicidal. Yeah. So you got your broom out yesterday. You think Ed, anybody associated with Ed Burke should step down? Gary Chico, Susana Mendoza, Tony Preckwinkle, Bill Daly. Um, you know, Ed Burke. Well, is, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah. Let me tell you why I think they should step down. It's, you know, it's not just because the because I think the Burke thing is symptomatic. I mean, there's probably a dozen Burks or Burke-like connections in terms of not just with Burke. But the way they're connected with each other, and this is the point that I try to make. This is about the political class, and, and Dan, you know that better than anyone. I mean, there's this political class here, and they some of them move in and out of government. They make their fortunes, and they return to government. And others are within the system, they get promoted. They're connected. They get the fundraising. Look, Gary raised money, raised fifty, sixty thousand dollars for Ed Burke. You did that just because you liked Ed Burke, or do you think that was part of daily building his law? I mean, that was part of. Um, Kiko building his law business. Mm-hmm. This is the way this political industrial complex works. Yeah, I think they should step down because of their code of silence. I mean, look, Johnson, look, uh, Kiko and Preckwinkle want to fire Eddie Johnson, and yet they were completely silent. They're completely silent on, on Emanuel and Emanuel's mismanagement. The same thing with Preckwinkle and Mendoza. Look at the code of silence over Barrios. Did you hear any of them? Did you hear any of them criticize burials and the deliberate overassessment of properties in poor communities and the, and the mm. intentional underassessment of properties among the affluent and among the connected? Uh, you know, it, it, so the code of silence on what was happening in the police department. So at the end of the day, there's a lot of reasons for them to step down. They didn't stand, step up to the plate until Rahm Emanuel decided to drop out. Right. But that's the way this political system works. Well, I mean, and that speaks volumes to me. Well, well and, and, and I mean, you know, and, and dropping out certainly would uh, create a bit of a glide path for you, but I, I take your the substance of your argument about the closed crony network. And he, here's my litmus test question. Not that the mayor has this power or should have this power, but just in terms of personal predilection, would you rather see... The eight months of wiretaps, those 9,500 conversations that Burke had that apparently the feds monitored and have, would you rather see those conversations released, transcribed, names named, or Ed Burke go to jail? Both is, I would say, sure, optimal. But you see I'm saying, which is more important, exposing the crony network or sending one more Chicago alderman to jail? You know, that's a very good point. For me, it's exposing the crony network. You know, because if you made all those conversations public, if those conversations were out there, look, you know, let me tell you, when, when, when um, you know, when David left City Hall, uh, when Tim Bigman cleared out his offices, there wasn't a single file 
And they didn't send emails. They didn't make cell phone calls. They didn't send messages. You know, I mean, what what Bert does was get careless. Maybe hubris takes over. Mm. I mean, why does Rostenkowski suddenly go uh, start, you know, uh, turning in the uh, the stamps, uh, the post office stamps? Remember in the house that he got invited over. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon it's hubris. Pretty soon, soon you think that this is the way that you do business. You you can't distinguish between right and wrong anymore. You know what I mean? So at the end, so yeah, I, you know, I think if everybody knew that all conversations were going to be transcribed, it would certainly create a, a, a different code of conduct, so to speak. But look, it's time to throw these guys out. It's time to send a message. Uh, it, you know, I began, the, I contemplated running about a year ago. I, uh, you know, I, I informally announced in February, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and I did so because, uh, you know, just to, just to change the dynamic, to, to uh, eliminate the pay-to-play. When I was at CPS, I took all the contracts out of the Public Building Commission so that I could bid them competitively, so that I could do real uh, uh, minority contracting, so I could allow there to be real competition. And a year after I left, they brought all the contracts back in. After I leave the... But but how how do you get that? I mean, are you going to have the resources to get on the air to deliver the message to the broad audience of uh, 2.7 million Chicagoans, because that that seems to me the, the the big challenge that you have. Well, well, what I'm doing now is I'm doing a lot of uh, I'm really connecting with voters digitally. So you know I've been I've been sending messages to voters uh, about my um, about the issues. You know, ballots on, on public safety, ballots on the war on crime, ballots on economic development. And I've been reaching about a million and a half voters. So I'm, I've, my digital platform is connecting with people. And then I'm, I'm doing something else besides showing up at every single at every single public forum. There's yeah. been a couple I've been disinvited to. Uh, and that, <laughs> oh, and that is I've been I've been live streaming. I've been live streaming these town hall meetings uh, on just about every subject where people can call in or in some cases uh, people come to the town hall meetings and I answer every question. I've done about six or seven, and I'm doing about two a week. So at the, between that and out there campaigning in a field this large, I'm hoping that I'll garner enough votes to, to end up in the runoff. But, you know, look, I'm, you know, I, I know I'm going to win. I'm confident I'm going to win. But regardless of what happens, hopefully I've offered some substantive ideas and some real solutions to the problems that ail the city, and hopefully we'll all be better off over the fact that there have been a lot of uh, a number of quality candidates enter the race, and 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 those who are not part of the pay-to-play culture. Uh, Paul Vallis, uh, people can get more information on your candidate candidacy at what website? It's it's vallisforallchicago.com. Vallisforallchicago.com. Paul Vallis, candidate for mayor of Chicago. Thanks for joining us, Ken. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Bye bye. Thanks. And uh, quickly, Dan, we always talked about Edberg's security detail. At 5 o'clock last night, he lost his security detail and his driver. Why do bad things happen to dedicated, selfless public servants? <laughs> Paul Vallis joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile.